that's the point. Focus on the people. It doesn't matter what all this is if we're not paying attention to the people when it's all done. I thought that was just beautifully done. Welcome to No More Bad Events, the podcast for professional event organizers and anyone who wants to take their events to the next level. Each week, we'll hear from the best in the business and get an inside look at what goes on behind the scenes at the world's most perfectly executed conferences, meetings, and more. Together, we'll learn the secrets and strategies to help us reach one big goal. No more bad events. Our show is brought to you by eSpeakers, and I'm your host, Scott Bloom. Let's get started. Today's show is sponsored by Impact 11, formerly known as Three Ring Circus, the best and most diverse and inclusive community built for training and developing professional speakers. They're not just elevating an industry we know and love. They work with hundreds of speakers to launch or scale their speaking businesses earning tens of millions in speaking fees, landing bureau representation, securing book deals, and rising to the top of the field. If you're looking to take your speaking career to the next level, they'll help you make a bigger impact faster. To learn more and schedule a free intro call, visit impact11.com. That's impact, E-L-E-V-E-N.com. No More Bad Events is produced and presented by eSpeakers, who believes in the magic that happens when the perfect presenter gets in front of your audience and moves them. The eSpeakers Marketplace helps you find, connect with, and hire from the deepest catalog of experts who speak on the planet. The platform makes it easy to find, contract, and pay the expert who will ignite your audience to accomplish your meeting goals and exit to a standing ovation. For more information, visit eSpeakers.com forward slash no more bad events. That's eSpeakers.com forward slash no more bad events. Today's guest knows something about people and science and how the two should mix to create the environment's best for mental acuity, alertness, and collaboration. Michael Dominguez is president and CEO of Associated Luxury Hotels International, a global sales organization known for its exclusive membership of the world's most distinguished, independently operated or owned hotels and resorts. And today, Michael lays it all on the line. He talks about how, as a leader, he had to lean into his emotional intellect to shore up his troops to get through the pandemic. He segues into the outlook for the hotel industry going forward. And then, as a self-proclaimed science geek, Michael dives into highly effective scientific-based tools that will make a better event, simply because the scientific effect will make people plugged in, feeling better, and more alive. From how the use of the color and brightness of a light in a meeting room suppresses or increases melatonin and serotonin, to how serving vitamin D-enriched foods replenishes and repairs, to how plants restore the air. It's fun, fascinating, and phenomenal stuff, as is Michael Dominguez. Let's do this. 
So, Michael, so I, I did some work for CRISM, I think it was like years yeah. ago. You guys must have absorbed them or was they a whole different organization? No, they, they were actually bought and brought into the Alhai family um, at that. God, it's been over a decade. It's well before my time. And, and there was one other organization out there one time was Hinton and Grusich. And it was Hinton and Grusich and CRISM at the time that all became part of Alhai. Alhai ended up um, um, bringing them in and consolidating them into the family. And what's interesting is we still have Bill Grusich that's still with us, that was one of the parents of Hinton and Grusich and Kathy Kosminski and Andre Volks. So some of those players that have been around for quite some time, uh, they're still with us and part of the family. Yeah. Who did I know over at CRISM? She was uh, Marsha Gerard. Do you know yeah. that name? Yeah. Yeah, Mar Marcia is a legend in our industry. And, she is, uh, isn't she? Yeah, and uh, I don't think she's uh, active in the industry anymore, but she's still in New York. And uh, you just reminded me, I got to touch base with her just to see how she's doing. Oh, uh, she's been a fan of mine. I've been a fan of hers for, for years. What a, what a great person. Um, so I'm going I'm to go over a little bit of your credentials right now okay. because it is very impressive to be able to, to talk to you. Um, so as you mentioned, you're, you're president and CEO of, of Alhai Associated Luxury Hotels International. Uh, you mentioned it's a, a member-based organization. You provide sales, uh, global sales services for independent hotels and hotel brands. And then prior to joining Alhai in 2019, you were executive sales positions with MGM Resorts, Lowe's Hotels, Hyatt, uh, uh, Starwood, Starwood, and many others. So in the industry um, of podcasting, this is kind of a get. This is kind of a get <laughs> for me. I mean, to have the one and only Michael Dominguez on, on, the, uh, on the program. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. you. You obviously have your finger on the pulse of everything in the, in the event industry. Uh, what, what should people be thinking about these days as they start to start planning their, their meetings? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a complex environment uh, as we start to move out of this because it's moving much faster than everybody expected, Scott. And, and that's not a surprise to me because fortunately with our portfolio, you know, we, 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 we were able to have a very diverse view of what recovery looks like. And I reminded everybody, you know, we, we have a lot of portfolio that are in areas that have been open for the last 18 months. So they're there. They're already regionally. Regionally, yeah. some of the states, yeah. maybe Florida. Exactly. Well, Florida, Texas, Georgia, you know, Florida gets picked on, but they weren't alone. There were there were literally a dozen states that were wide open, as well as Mexico that stayed open through all of this. And we have a lot of Mexican properties. They all had some type of protocol, but uh, I, I think they got to where our, you know, the bulk of our country got to later was there are ways to continue to move and live life while still trying to protect ourselves. But I can tell you in the U.S., real simply in the meeting side of it specifically, um, we, we have such a compression around meeting space. Right now we have a reverse recovery. It is the rest of the country that's compressing the metro cities because the metro cities are the laggards right now. And in March, uh, latest data I saw, it was March of CBRE and it was March of 2022. Um, if you looked at the resort areas, uh, the resort areas were already indexing over 100% to 2019 in group business. While if you looked at the other, the other areas, metro and suburban, they're at about 80 to 82%. So it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a good reminder for planners to say, if you're looking for things short term and you're getting a lot of no's, make sure to look at the metro areas because that may not have been your first natural instinct. 
But the San Francisco's of the world, the Chicago's of the world, they do have availability. And I don't want to say that there's no space available. It's just much tighter everywhere else around the country. That's, a, that's some good information, uh, you know, because we know that, uh, as you said, people who were a little more reticent before, they're still bringing that mindset you know, forward. So how do you how do you get them to shift the mindset? How do you get them to say, hey, that was then this is now? <laughs> well, I, I think it's kind of getting force fed. Um, I, I give a couple of points to people for the planners. I've heard that I, I've heard often that, look, you know, I, I'm, I'm worried that people aren't ready to travel. They're not ready to get there. We, we've had record leisure demand on the same attendees that they're saying won't come to their meetings. They're traveling on their own. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's funny. If people, if people are like, oh, I don't want to travel for business. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go out and have a nice, uh, nice vacation. Yeah, well, and I think it's perspective. What I've heard it is from the people in those environments. The problem is that, let's say you're in one of those areas that's been closed for a longer period of time than other parts of the country. You're reticent if you're the one planning the meeting. You're reticent if you're if your stakeholders are in that area. They're reticent about it, and what they're not understanding necessarily is that that reticency isn't there everywhere else. We're already starting to move. You know what's interesting? You know what we're experiencing right now. Every meeting, what we've been dealing a lot with currently is simply addendums to add room nights because they didn't book enough rooms and they're going right through their blocks. And, and that's consistent. And, and I think it's going to get even more aggressive. And Scott, there was a stat I read last night. Really interesting is we, we are at the lowest point globally in deaths around the pandemic that actually uh, influenza cancer and heart uh, and heart ailments are all would all exceed on a normal basis. So when we talk about being endemic, it doesn't mean it's gone away. It just means we're back to a normalized pattern of seasonality. But outside of that, you're starting to see people move and traffic numbers are showing that. And this would probably be a surprise for most people. We, we got to 80 percent of our group room nights of 2019 in March of this year already. That's great. That's great. That's such great news. I mean, that's what people need to start hearing is the good news. I mean, I think we all know things have have shifted, but exactly. The, the, the more we can get to normalize, um, I think the faster we're going to. And, and I, if you look at what's happening with every forecast where I'm really optimistic, every forecast continues to improve. Uh, there's there's this discipline that I talk about often called effective forecasting in in psychology, and it has nothing to do with numbers. It has everything to do with how you see the world based on your experiences. Perception. And, yeah. And if you if you're coming out of a real negative time frame, it is hard for you to see us getting normalized very quickly. And and the same is true about us coming off a really good time frame and going into a downturn. It's kind of the same coming out of this. And but where I really am optimistic is that I'm seeing human behavior come back to normal very quickly once people experience it. And I, and I see that a lot. You know, I host meetings and so I'm in front of a lot of people and I just see the, the sort of the joy in their face, you know, of, of, of faces of just being there, uh, being able to experience things, having a shared experience with people. Um, you know, everyone wants to have go out there and have a good time. There are those, you know, as I said, there are those people who are like, hey, you know, I kind of like this not having to 
you know, leave my uh, my home. Uh, so we've all gone through a lot of introspection, I think, over the last you know couple of years. How about you personally? I know you're very passionate and excited about the uh, the the new trend upwards that we're we're getting back together. I know that you're you know you're a big advocate for the event industries. But how about you personally? What what, what discoveries have you made uh, about yourself over the over the last couple of years? And what have you learned that you could that could maybe the the events industry can benefit from? I think my perspective became more singularly focused. Uh, and and it's, it's how I've always led. And, you know, what I found was um, I, we're, we all struggle as leaders around emotional intelligence. I, I, I've always felt I've been pretty in tuned to emo- my emotional intelligence and been pretty good at it. What I had to do was even put that on steroids uh, during the pandemic. And I think if there's any change as a leader, it's not a change. It was a, a, a larger intensity around making sure we understand that there's a, I said it recently and I had one of my members say she's now used it uh, more than once because she heard me say it. But I go, there's a lot of life happening to everybody right now. And as leaders, as peers, we just need to have a tremendous amount of grace for everybody. And I think we've kind of lost that as a country, as a society at times. And, and more importantly, you know, like I made it my mission not to lose anybody. And I can say that um, we, we didn't have any furloughs. We didn't have any layoffs during the pandemic. We kept everybody employed. And that was important for me. Um, and, and I think it's intensified uh, my resolve to make sure that, as I always say, I like my employees to be able my team members to go home and know that they're not stressing about work and they can really free their mind and be with their families. I think every, yeah, I think everyone would love to have a, a leader like yourself. I mean, it's a great example. I mean, it, it is sort of your your signature trademark leadership style. You know, I've heard people talk about, you know, your, humil- your humility, your humanity, your vulnerability. You talked about putting vulnerability on steroids, which kind of sounds like an oxymoron. Um, <laughs> uh, but if you've been listening to Brene Brown, that that kind of maybe makes makes sense. How, how do you teach this kind of, uh, of leadership style? Do you have to be born that way? Can you Can you actually learn it? Now, I, I look, I think there are some people born with certain aspects and traits um, and, and that makes it easier. You, you, you move faster through that learning curve. Uh, but but I do think the important part, the important part is I'm a huge believer in servient leadership. And if you think about servient leadership, it just means we're here to serve. And if you think about you're here to serve, it makes it real easy that every filter is about your team members. It's about and what, them, not about you. Exactly. It should never be about you. Um, I, you know, it's 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 the actions. It's not the words. And, and I make the point is, if I was to ask you in your in any leadership role, you know, what's your greatest asset? I, I promise the answer 90 percent of the time is my team members, my people. Well, if we all believe that and I know we intuitively do, I always ask one question. So does your time reflect that? Are you spending more time with your people than you are in meetings, on emails, or whatever you think is more important for that day? Because you can't have it both ways. If it's your greatest asset, why isn't your time invested into your greatest asset? So I try to put my money where my mouth is. Uh, we have 100 employees in high. Every single one of them has a 30-minute call with me once a quarter. So I will talk to every individual employee four times a year. And those calls are not about their where they are in their numbers, not at all about their job, unless they want it to be about their job. It's their call. And it's whatever they want to talk about. 
And, but it gives me an opportunity to ask them about their life, how they're feeling, where they're at, how can I help? I think it's our responsibility of leaders to show people what it's supposed to look like. Unfortunately, good and bad. I've taken away from other leaders that I've worked for what I don't want to do and what it shouldn't look like, but I've also seen what it should look like. And and I try to impress that on everybody. You know, with with wellness being so important, because that's what you're really focusing on, making sure that the wellness of your your employees are are doing well. But I also know you you um, actually did some work with bring wellness uh, to the actual meeting space. And I think that's such a, a great idea. You want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, I am a, people know I am a nerd. Uh, I, I, I will geek out on science and data and, and the science around how spaces and physical places impact the human body just fascinated me. And, and in my past life, I was able to work with Delos, uh, Delos Living. They're the founders of the International Well Buildings Initiative. Uh, they do ratings on wellness and babies. So I always tell people, think about sustainability, but now let's think about the human aspect. It's such a simple process when you think about it, that um, if you go to a Home Depot or a Lowe's today, you will see the boxes with the different color of lights. And there's one that says daylight. And that daylight always looks like a blue hue. Well, all other lighting has always been yellow. Before LED lighting, this wouldn't have been possible. Today, it doesn't cost me an extra penny to get the right color. And I explained to people, one of the reasons you're tired after an eight hour board meeting, it's because you're sitting under crappy yellow light the entire day. And, and Scott, here's the simplest thing. We, we, this, the science, and this is what I love, Delos, everything is based on science. They, they're partnered with the Mayo Clinic, the Cleveland Clinic. They have a living laboratory at the Mayo Clinic where they have human guinea pigs. And I, I, I've told them, I want to take a week off and be a human guinea pig just for a week because I want to be in this environment. And they're testing you on how your bodies are reacting to these different environments and what they look like. But the research over the last 12, 14 years has taught us that uh, we have an optic nerve in our eye that has nothing to do with eyesight and has everything to do with regulating uh, melatonin and serotonin in your body. And here it's very simple. When it's attracted to yellow light or, or exposed to a yellow light, it is kicking in melatonin, which we all know makes us sleepy i.e. sitting in a boardroom for eight hours under yellow light. You are producing melatonin through the entire day. A blue light suppresses melatonin and brings in serotonin, which makes us alert and a little more awake. And if you think about this, I've explained this to everybody. It's the easiest example. Think about a beautiful day. What does every beautiful day look like? It's a blue sky. What does every single sunset look like? Orange and yellow. That is Mother Nature's way of getting us ready for bedtime because we're kicking in melatonin before we had four walls. And have you ever noticed if you're outdoors and it's under blue sky and you're walking around or doing like you're never sleepy. You know, it's feeling that, great. You're, you're energetic. You're out there. And it's that blue light that's keeping it. But it's also why they tell you not to look at your device before you go to bed. That is a blue screen that is suppressing melatonin instead of bringing serotonin into your body. And that is why every every phone has a night that turns the screen yellow as a background. So that yellow light is starting to bring in melatonin and it becomes more natural. And it's so different because the light and the light suppression is really what you're looking for. That is the simplest example. And the reason I'm so passionate about it um, is think about the amount of payroll we are moving when we bring people together. So isn't it incumbent upon us to create the environments that are best for mental acuity, alertness, collaboration that we possibly could? So you get the most out of that money. What, what about like in a, in a ballroom situation? A lot of times they bring the lights down and 
when I'm on stage and I, I'm at a meeting, I'm, I'm like, let's not bring it down to the point where they can actually fall asleep. You know, <laughs> let's keep it up. But can you can you give ambient lighting to, let's say, a, a group of 500, a group of 1,000? I know you're talking about like a boardroom or something like that. On planes, we see now that sort of lighting thing, which I think feels great. I know they know what they're doing, right? Right. And what color is the light on the planes now? Blue. Blue. Yeah, it's, it's that blue light that is. It feels like you're in a nightclub. You know, originally exactly. when I was flying, uh, what was it, uh, JetBlue or Virgin? I think Virgin was the first who was doing that. You know, kind of colored lighting thing. I agree, Scott. When you're in a major ballroom, here would be my one point. We traditionally are in a general session. Those general sessions aren't all day. Yeah, you're you're going to break out. You're going to do other things. So it's it's not that you have to be like that all day. But you got to think about the time that you're in that light. And as long as you come out of that ballroom and you're exposed to either natural light or that lighting that we've talked about, that's more of a daylight cue, you're going to be fine because you're going to, again, immediately suppress any melatonin and you're going to bring up serotonin. So it'll help balance your body. So that's not the negative. But if you're going to be in a ballroom for four hours and the light's going to be completely dim, you're going to have some people falling asleep. But I, I, like I said, I, I geek out about this. I, I find it fascinating that all of that has an impact. Green greenery has a huge impact, um, and and we all know that. But when you, you start talking about you know the the plants and the hydro plants that are put in today, it's I, I learned that it's the roots that clean the air more than the leaves, and yet we all we all cover the roots because we put them in pots. So these walls that you see, these green walls. The roots are exposed and there's new science behind it. And because it's a green wall, it has a small fan and it's literally pulling moisture out of the air to keep it moist without any watering going on. It's in lava rocks, but the roots are exposed, which means it's cleaning the air and it's cleaning the air of all biohazards that are out there when it's all said and done. It's it's fascinating to me, but there's all science around this. Oh, no, I love the, uh, the, the bring science into making a, a better event, making it uh, making people healthier, making people more alive, getting people uh, more plugged in because they're feeling better. I mean, these are some things people don't you know always think about. I mean, I know a lot of times in these bigger uh, conferences, uh, we saw the shift of everyone being uh, smashed in together. That's, you know, every I mean. I've, I've, I've never had to fully sit in that situation, but I've seen how cramped some of these people are. We spread people out now. We have been over the last you know couple of years. Uh, do you think that's a benefit? Do you think to give people a little bit more room? Let's not try to pack everyone in, or is it just based on you know necessity? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of both. It's good. I, I think there's some learnings in there. You know, anybody who knows me um, knows I'm a diehard San Antonio Spurs fan. And uh, and it's not about the basketball team. It's about their culture. And they've been covered in a book called Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. It was a best selling book. And there's about 30 pages dedicated to Spurs uh, with other organizations. The reason I say that is there's learnings in there that uh, they have these team dinners and these team dinners are mandatory and there's assigned seating. And, you know, you've got millionaires being told exactly where they're going to sit, you know, be be sitting that night. And it's this culture of you do what you're told to do. And there's a reason behind it. There's always a reason behind it. But Coach Popovich and something that we could take as an industry, he doesn't allow any table to be more than six people, because once you get past six people, the conversations become groups of twos and threes versus the entire table. And everything is everything is so specific and thoughtful. So when you talk about crowdedness. I hope we stay at tables of six and eight when we can and don't get back to because I think the conversation's better. And again, I, I, I'm hoping we remember what's the purpose. 
what, what are we trying to do? If we're really looking at engagement and interaction, how do we create those environments? And um, I think some of that will come around. Um, I'm a big believer, not just in science, but behavioral science needs to become a bigger part of the meetings industry. So when I present in the industry, Scott, I always have video. And that video comes in every 15 to 20 minutes because it uses a different part of your brain. And you have to focus a little differently. And then you're coming back to me presenting a little bit more. And then I'm going to go back to something that's video or audio to break it up so that you're actually having to use other parts of your brain. We don't think enough like that. We, we don't think about how is it being consumed by people? We know people are some people are visual, some people are audio. So you have to have a good combination of both. That's the part of behavioral science that I think we can start to bring into play to really understand how people are wired and how they learn, how they communicate and making sure that becomes part of our environment. You know, what's great about listening to you is, is what you're really sort of saying, which is very sort of simple. We all know it, is you have to be purposeful in your design. Everything from behavioral science, understanding how people interact with each other, what makes people feel good, uh, being aware of people's uh, feelings and emotions and, and trying to keep engagement and connection, you know, uh, you know top of mind. I, I, I'm laughing, Scott, because in that little statement, you said people six times. That's the point. Focus on the people. I just thought it was beautifully said. Everything you were saying was people, people, people. <laughs> and, and we tend to forget about it doesn't matter what all of this is if we're not paying attention to the people when it's all done. I thought that was just beautifully done. Well, I think we got our soundbite. That's going to open this. Uh, that's going to definitely open up this episode. Well, uh, Michael, I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. I think people are definitely going to get a lot out of this. Um, where can we, if we want more tips, more advice, more counsel, how can we hear more about you? Um, you know what? One, I would, um, on our Ally website, uh, we, we actually have um, we, we have a lot of this content there and, and we're continuously trying to push content. Our website has very much been content driven uh, since I arrived two and a half years ago. That's our focus. How can we be a benefit to the industry um, outside of that? Like I, I'm always available. I'm in the industry. I'm speaking often. I, I'm being invited to uh, be with a lot of different customer bases. And um, I'll never say no. Uh, I think it's important that, again, that servient leadership goes to our industry as well. And if I can help and if we can help move the conversation forward, move our industry forward, I'm there. And besides that, my email address is mdominguez at alhi.com. And uh, don't be shy. You can reach out to me and I'm happy to help. But I, I appreciate the conversation and hope to be invited back because there's always so much to talk about. And, you know, thank you for the time. It's been fun. It has been fun. I think you got a a new fan here. I mean, I've heard the uh, the rep uh, for for a long time now. To finally get to meet you, I understand it's. I can clearly see it's all true. So thank you, Michael, for for joining us here. It has been a pleasure. Thank you, Scott. Have a good one, sir. You too. That's it for now. I've been your host, Scott Bloom corporate event MC and comedic keynote speaker. And of course, your connoisseur of connections. If you'd like more information, you can find me at scottbloomconnects.com. Or you can book me directly for your next event on eSpeakers Marketplace at eSpeakers.com forward slash marketplace. And if you like what you heard, 
Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If you love what you heard, drop us a review and don't forget to share with your friends. For show transcripts and show notes with resources to help you get even more out of the show, visit nomorebadevents.com. No More Bad Events is produced and presented by eSpeakers, and we're grateful to our sponsor, Impact 11, for helping us make our show possible. Thanks for listening. Now go out and make your event a good one.